Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Pushkin. I'm Khalil Gibran Muhammad. I'm Ben Austin. We're two best friends. One black. One white. I'm a historian. And I'm a journalist. And this is Some of My Best Friends Are. Some of my best friends are black, white, Jewish, Muslim. In this show, we wrestle with the challenges and the absurdities of a deeply divided and unequal country. And today, we're talking about interracial and interreligious love on the big screen. I don't know about you, Ben, but so many people have asked me over the past several weeks, are we going to talk about the Netflix movie, You People? Oh, my gosh. So many. It's a a movie that came out earlier this year. It's starring Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy, among many great actors. And it's written by Jonah Hill and Kenya Barris of Blackish fame. That's right. And this is a movie that is, I mean, the opening line in this movie <laughs> could not be more appropriate for, for you and me. Yo, 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 welcome to the Mo and Easy show. I'm Mo, and to my left is my favorite Jew with nothing to do, my boy EZ. All right, man. So <laughs> Jonah Hill's character, Ezra, he does a podcast. That's right. Two hosts. A Jew one black, doing a podcast with a one black, black person. One white. It's about race and culture in America. And listen, as we speak, Pushkin lawyers are out there. They are at going after Netflix <laughs> to make sure that we get paid. That's right, because they stole our idea. They built a whole show, a whole movie around I this. I knew it. I knew they would steal that. <laughs> But no, seriously, um, this movie comes at a really interesting time in the country. I mean, we're somewhere in between the Trump era, the Biden era, and what comes next. Mm. And as so often is the case, you know, this is a movie with a a, a plot. It's an interracial rom-com, but it's a rom-com within this bigger social moment. And so, okay. of course- so you said you said it's an interracial rom-com, and I just want to say there's a white man and a black woman, they fall in love. But even more than that, or in addition to that, the white dude, Ezra, is Jewish. The black woman is Muslim. So it's an interreligious rom-com also. It's like an interracial, interreligious rom-com. How about that? Man, laughs ensue. <laughs> yeah, so as I was saying, and good point, um, as I was saying, like here is this mashup of 
relationships that are meant to show the boundaries of our existing society, to show the segregation that we still all live with, even for people like you and me, even our communities here are represented as being sort of narrow and parochial and not really able to see the fullness of the other side. Yeah, And and this is where movies are really powerful because Mm -hmm. they show us ourselves. And sometimes we even laugh at ourselves, but they're these cultural artifacts, these touchstones. We're able to understand all those boundaries and how to cross them by seeing versions of it on on the screen or on our televisions. That's right. So guess what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about how well, to some degree, this movie helps us see ourselves and to what degree there are these antecedents and other movie stories that unpack a similar topic. How are we going to do this today, Khalil? So in the first half, we're going to talk about white black romance. We're going to talk about two people falling in love and basically how American history and society and most especially their parents get in the way, like all the racial baggage that gums up the true love story at the heart of you people. Mm, mm. Let's call <laughs> let's what, what should we call that first half? Well, let's call it. Guess who's coming to dinner? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. And then the second part, I mean, I have a lot of experience with, with that first part that you're describing, but the second part, oh, let's explore well, the say, black- say, say more. In the second part, <laughs> let's explore the black and Jewish dynamics, all right? All right. Let's, let's look at the black and Jewish thing. So this movie comes out just a little bit or almost at the exact same time as Kanye West is saying he's about to go DEFCON 3 on the Jewish people. <laughs> After right. Kyrie Irving gets suspended from the NBA the, for tweeting the, the about a movie. former Nets player in yeah. the NBA, that's right. He's on the Dallas Mavericks now because, you know, Brooklyn was way too Jewish for him. Like, he, <laughs> he tweets about, a, you know, endorsing a movie that makes these claims about the Holocaust not, not happening mm-hmm. and about Jews being involved in the slave trade. And listen, also amid like 2020, this this last year was the highest ever on record, you know, record being going back to 1979 of hate crimes against Jewish people, which, you know, we could say still like uh, um, uh, a fragment of, say, what's going on in terms of racism towards blacks. But this is at this heightened moment. That's um, right. It's so interesting to explore this. And since you got a name for your part, I'm yeah, going to so call what's, this what's, one. What's your, what's your name going to be? A rabbi and an imam walk into a bar. Oh, oi, oi, oi. All right. <laughs> so like even the title, You People, is is like coded kind of racism and often like unintentional bigoted phrase like, hey, you people. Right. It's a lot like some of my best friends are. Yeah, it's perfect yeah. movie for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. All right. Here, here's the breakdown of what happens in You People. And you, there are going to be a few spoiler alerts, but you need to know some of the plot and what happens in it to, for us to talk about it for this to make sense. That's right. So jo- Jonah Hill's Ezra and Lauren London's Amira, they meet cute in Los Angeles. And what does They're, meet cute mean? I don't even know what come that on. means. <laughs> yes, you do, man. That's every, that's every rom-com. You meet in oh. a funny way and, oh, and okay. you, know, you get connected. <laughs> okay. and, and, and then they go on this date. And the date, you know, it, it, there's a montage, you know, it lasts for hours. They talk into the night and then yes. it jumps ahead six months and they're living together. Right. And, you know, in my opinion about this movie, these two actors, Jonah Hill and Lauren <laughs> London, they have zero chemistry. This is my opinion. They have nothing. They have nothing together. But, but can I say something about this just for a second? I yeah. Mean, I, it, there is an important thing that brings them together, right? Which is, quote unquote, the culture. The culture. And, and so, in that way, the culture being, you know, euphemism for black culture. Well, he, yeah, hip hop culture. Share, yeah, means, they share yeah. this in common. So they're both hip, kind of hip hop heads. They're both in the sneaker culture. Yeah. And as we've already said, Ezra is a co-host with a black co-host who is non-gender conforming, um, Mo, who is an actual comedian. And so he's he's like got his real bona fides. He's not just okay. some some right. Jewish dude from L.A. Mm. Mm, see, see, you're already like coded on me. He's not just some Jewish dude. This is already messed up. We're already like well, the black a, and Jewish thing. You're some Jewish dude from Chicago. No, no. You're even so, less cool. So more plot. It's all, all right. going well. They're living together. Then Ezra's like, I want to take this another step further. I'm in love. I want to marry her. Mm-hmm. But two people, white and black, they don't exist in a cultural or racial bubble. They have to meet one another's parents. You know, parents are, they stand in as like, all of the rest of society, the past, and really like who the children are. 
That's right. And and it's, you know, these are the things that are going to keep people apart. <laughs> yes, you're right. Th these are the things that are going to keep people apart. So much so that this whole story around what the parents are capable of harkens back to a film over 50 years ago called Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? It is in many ways the precedent for this story. This is a film with a bang up cast of characters. Sydney Poitier, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're like out here like I am the Hollywood reporter. A bang up cast. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you're auditioning. Oh you're man, auditioning. whatever. Spencer Tracy, Sydney Poitier, Catherine Hepburn as the mother of the white daughter who who they're worried about marrying Sydney Poitier. Isabel Sanford appears here as Tilly the maid and then okay. introducing a woman named Catherine Holton who is the main character who is the white woman who is going to marry Sidney Poitier. This movie comes out in late 1967. It's just six months after the Loving versus Virginia Supreme Court case. You remember what that case was? That is so amazing to think about. So a movie yes. about interracial marriage comes out right after the Supreme Court says it's now legal for black and white people to get married. That's right, which had been banned um, across the South and most particularly, the film says, in the film, in the writing of the script, says 16 or 17 states would object to you guys getting married. Man, so that's some good-ass timing on that movie. Yeah, man, it's amazing. The, the yeah. pressing issue, like the weight of the world, is happening in the context of this film. So here's, the, here's a quick story. These two fall in love, as they say, in 20 minutes. They both happen to be in Hawaii. Uh, Sidney Poitier plays this uh, epidemiologist. He's a world-renowned public health doctor. And it's hmm. not clear what, what uh, the character Joey is actually doing for a living. But she's 23 years old. She's young. She's exploring the world. These two fall in love. They meet cute. And they fall okay. in love instantly. <laughs> so the big idea here is that they want to get married immediately. And See? they have to convince Joey's parents... Um, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, that they should get married, but they wanted to do it the old-fashioned way, to get permission. Okay. At the end of the day, this is what the story turns on. Will the parents consent? Will the parents go along? But there's a wrinkle here. Instead of this being like some story about some throwback Alabama parents, you know, who would, of course, object, Spencer Tracy, the father, is presented as this San Francisco liberal, you know, he when he first meets John, who is played by Sidney Poitier, he is all in. He's like, hey, who's this guy? Oh, my God, what an accomplished gentleman you are. He pays no attention to the possibility that this guy wants to marry his daughter. Oh, man, but I'm, upon, I'm all into this because I've seen this at some point, but I've, I've totally forgotten it. So I'm, I'm down. Yes. And the mother, Catherine Hepburn, shows all of these faces of consternation and concern. But in the end, it is clear that she's OK with this. And so the story is about getting dad on board. At so some point, 1960s white liberals, they want to, you know, this is in the civil rights moment. They, they want to embrace this idea of interracial marriage that it's okay. That's right. And so at some point, the, the dad is being called out by this priest who's like one of his best friends, Monsignor Ryan, shows up. And he has this really powerful line. He says, You know something? I'm surprised at you. He says, You know what? You're just some broken down, phony liberal who has to come face to face with your own principles. You know, he says, there is some reactionary bigot trying to get out in you. And I'm like, mm. oh, snap, that is such a powerful resonant line, right? That is the line that in many ways you people plays with. It's like this notion that liberals are all cool with everything until it's their own kid. This movie reserves, though, the most strident critiques of this relationship for the black character played by Isabel Sanford, the maid Tilly. She is the one who is given the responsibility in this film for articulating black people's perspectives on interracial marriage. In this clip, she's challenging Sidney Poitier because she's like, hey, I have raised this girl my whole life and I'm not going to let you mess up her life. You may think you're fooling Miss Joy and her folks, but you ain't fooling me for a minute. You think I don't see what you are? You're one of those smooth-talking, smart-ass niggas just out for all you can get with your black power and all that other troublemaking nonsense. You bring any trouble in here and you just like to find out what black power really means. Mm. Wow. So, so that is a really powerful statement. And in many ways, Sidney Poitier's black parents who are eventually invited to dinner never really articulate their objections. They're placed on, on this maid. But in the end, this story resolves itself with the father coming around because 
he's ultimately challenged by his wife who's like, I've never been more disappointed in you. And the moral of this story is that while he has to come to terms with this, he basically says that you guys will have to survive in a world full of prejudices, bigotries, blind hatreds, and stupid fears, and you will have to cling to each other and to quote unquote, screw all those people. Mm. Mm, that's so interesting. It sounds like a lot of the movie is focused on the parents rather than on the young people and their dynamics. What we were saying before about society being represented by the parents. That's right. All right, we're going to take a break. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer, so they created something that no one had ever built before, a platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle-to-everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G-connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. All right. All right. So we are, we are 50 years later. Now we're, we're we, you know, 1967, guess who's coming to dinner? Yep. And now we're at you people. Yep. You know, interracial love has been legal for, for more than half a century. What does you people have to say about 
this story about interracial love that's different? Well, first thing, it's like a world made by Louis Farrakhan and the Black Power Movement. What do you mean? Well, the signposting in this film of like what blackness is, is embodied in the character of Eddie Murphy, the father of the main character. Uh, Eddie Murphy's name is Akbar. Uh, Amira's father. That's right. Eddie Murphy's name is Akbar. And of course, he's changed his name like so many radicals in the 1960s and 70s from from Woody. From Woody. The first time we see him, he's walking in, he's wearing a Fred Hampton was murdered T-shirt. That's the, right. The former Black Panther leader. And so yeah. he's coming and he, he is all of the signifiers of being a black radical. That's right. And, and to my mind, he's the closest thing as importing the voice of Tilly, played by Isabel Sanford, into this story. He's the most unreasonable person in this story. So much so that he actually blames his wife's white grandfather, who apparently was some light-skinned dude, for like polluting the bloodstock of his light-skinned daughter. Let's listen to this clip where Akbar is leaning over to his wife to, to blame her for this whole fiasco. This is your white granddaddy come back to haunt me. What? That nigga never liked me. And it started off by him putting them strong-ass jeans in you that lighten up the coffee in my babies. Akbar, you sound and, ridiculous. Yeah, and then he planted a poison pill in my little baby girl, and it has grown into this white boy that has invited us to lunch at Roscoe. Man. <laughs> All right, Eddie Murphy. Uh, what's interesting, you were saying that he sort of is voicing Tilly from Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, but he's also the white dad. Because in this movie, he's the one that's opposed to this marriage. He's the one that's opposed to the union of black and white. And we get Ezra's parents embodied by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, you know, from Veep and from Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. She plays Shelley Cohn. And she is like genuinely thrilled. She's giddy that she's going to have this black daughter. Um, That's right. There's there's this early moment where she says something like, you know, we're going to become a family of color. We are going to be a a family of the future. (laughs) Yeah. And her, her, her racism is, you know, showing white people as oblivious. They're Mm -hmm. inadvertently racist. And, you know, the first time that she has the kids come to their house to dinner, the white family's house, she says, apropos of absolutely nothing, the first time meeting her, you know, the police are and always have been fucked up. They're really terrible to black people. I hate it. You know, That's she just right. announces this out of nothing. Total yeah. awkward, uh, a, a different kind of racism than opposing this marriage. Yeah, but can I say something too about that? There's a kind of virtue signaling in that. And that's what I was trying to say with Spencer Tracy's character. Like he's the San Francisco liberal who gets it. Like there's nothing weird about this black dude in my apartment. I am down with that. So yes, this is the updated version of that kind of liberal virtue signaling. Mm, So mm. you people, in some ways, given that point, imagines racism is only really about bigoted individuals. It's it's not really a social commentary on structural racism, even as it gestures to police violence or as another line that the character Shelley Cohen articulates is that everyone should bow to the national anthem. These really mm-hmm. aren't the issues that you motivate mean, by, by, the moral by like arc ne- of the film. Kneeling, kneeling That's to right, the by national anthem. Like, yeah, yeah, she's trying to, do, she's like a Colin Kaepernick. She's trying to do it. Yeah, so the, these really aren't the issues that carry the moral weight of the film. The moral weight of the film really falls on stereotypes. You know, the okay. sort of bigoted ideas that people still hold when they think, you know, you people, that's the kind of conceit of this film. That's super interesting. And, and, and I agree with you completely that, that the movie, to me, like shows wacky characters being wacky. And it's there, you know, there isn't some deeper analysis. And, you know, like a lot of these types of movies, the way this one functions is it's sort of an excuse to get mostly men to hang out with one another and to do something. So mm-hmm. we get Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy's character. They're going to go off and like explore one another. That's right. Um, and, <laughs> and like there's this actually, very funny montage of moments, right? <laughs> there's a montage of moments when they go out and like Eddie Murphy is testing him of like, how much does he really know about the culture and hear black culture? And so like what constitute black culture in the movie in this moment is he's going to take him to a basketball court in the hood or right. a barber shop that's actually like a, a gang barber shop. You know, they never actually go to Akbar's house. Uh, Akbar is is Muslim. They don't go to a mosque. You know, this is the whole extent of it. Yeah. So 
Some of our listeners might be thinking, okay, Ben and Khalil, you guys are beating up on this film a little bit too much. You're imposing too much oh, expectation on no, no, I'm, I'm going to beat film. up on it more, man. I'm going to beat up on it more because, <laughs> no. like, Eddie Murphy's working at, like, 30% here. You know, it is, like... Right. You know. It is one of the most low-key performances in all of cinematic history. But <laughs> but there's a, there's a counterpoint to this film, and it's the film, for example, that Jordan Peele makes about white liberals and the way yeah. they literally commodify uh, black bodies. Get out. Get Out is a story of interracial romance turned into a horror story. Yeah, when you were talking about Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, I was thinking about how that, how Get Out is a total response to that. It is like taking that and and turning it into a horror film. That yeah. when you go to this house and these these well-meaning liberals, uh, there is something so much deeper and structural that it's it it's so dangerous that it's going to fucking kill you. That's right. And it's of course, the metaphor of, of being lobotomized and having your body stolen is just the horror spin on it. But the point is that you're still being consumed, that black yeah. culture is being consumed, that blackness is being consumed, even by so-called friends. Yeah, there, there's something that irked me about you people, I got to admit, is like, so Ezra is supposed to be this guy who is, he says, I was raised by hip hop. You know, mm. but he's talking to his fiance, his girlfriend's parents, and you know he can't even talk about uh, Malcolm X clearly. Um, yeah. And and he's got one of his boys. One of the jokes is that one of his boys stormed the Capitol on January six. And right. come on, man, you can't have both. <laughs> you know, like like as a joke, it just doesn't even work. It's a it's this idea that you just said of like quirky, you know, individual racism. And That's right. having no like larger implications. That's right. All right, man. So spoiler alert, like, you oh. know, uh, the movie moves forward and this couple, Amira and Ezra, they, they, they decide that they just can't do it. Yeah. All right. The pressure, that, the, 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 the failures of the family, the friends, the, the network, the whole social uh, community much. that they're part of just is not evolved enough to handle this relationship. Yeah. Ezra is on his podcast and he laments that race in America conquers love mm. but at the end of the day when it comes to black and white people i don't think love is enough there's too many other outside factors he says whether friends or family people can't accept what they don't understand mm. that's a really good podcast huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know thinking about guess who's coming to dinner in this film there is something that feels like it didn't evolve like it didn't, it didn't feel the promise of guess who's coming to dinner, yeah, which fel ultimately was the cautionary note of a generation, two generations ago. And in this film is basically saying, not only are we no further along, but we don't even have the, the guts to talk about what's happening in our states. I mean, you think about guess who's coming to dinner talking about 16 or 17 states that had outlawed marriage. We've got 16 or 17 states that outlawed even talking about structural racism. Mm. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to look at the interreligious part of this rom-com story. We'll be right back. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer, so they created something that no one had ever built before, 
platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies. The cellular vehicle to everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. All right, all right, Khalil. We are back on the mm -hmm. Mo and Easy Show. <laughs> <laughs> and I got my Jew with nothing to do hanging out with me this afternoon. Right. That is so true, so true. All right, man, about Jewish stuff. Every Jewish person I know who saw this movie doesn't like it. They're what? angered by it. What? They're frustrated by it. And let really? me tell you, Jewish people are on like high alert for stuff like this. They 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 want stuff like this to be like meaningful. They want to like for it to get into like, you know, the good stuff about Jewish and black history of working together. They wanted to do something progressive. Mm. And listen, I did tons of of research. Oh, I really? Oh, really? I, oh man, I went to Jewish Twitter. <laughs> you know, I searched it. You, I, I I read the foreword. I yes. mean, I was looking around. You, and, and to J be, Street, to be, did J Street do an editorial on oh, it? Oh, man. Oh, to be very serious, <laughs> there are editorials all over like Jewish publications. Wow. For real. They are talking about this. Okay. And for Jewish people, something like this, you know, I'm going to quote a Philip Roth short story. They want to know is you people, is it good for the Jews or no good for the Jews? <laughs> Well, I was maybe not quite in that line. I was curious if they felt like the film was a touchstone for evoking the historic relationship of progressive Jews and, and black civil rights activists from the 1960s, like saw this film as kind of a way to jumpstart or re-energize that relationship. Because I know a few conversations I've had with some of my Jewish friends, my other Jewish friends, that's a topic that often comes up. Man, they they wanted it. They wanted it to do. There's actually a joke in there when when uh, um, Amira's brother first learns that that his sister is dating uh, a guy named Ezra. He's mm -hmm. hopeful because he's like, is that a third generation civil rights leader? You know, like everyone was right. named sort of right. like, you know, they had these Old Testament names. Um, right. That he's not actually white, but he's a black yeah. dude with a Jewish a Jewish first name. Yeah, that is a funny joke. So, so I want to say that this movie, in terms of black and Jewish relationships, to me, it started promising. And I watched this with my family. So mm. my two black Jewish children and my black <laughs> wife. <laughs> and right. the first scene is set in a synagogue on Yom Kippur, the mm. holiest day of holy days. 
And, you know, so already we have a sense that, yes, these are white people, but they're a certain kind of white people. They're Jewish. And can I and, ask a question about that uh, yeah. as a non-Jew? By that you mean, because uh, there are obviously Jews that don't go to uh, synagogue or Yom Kippur. So you're saying that it's also religiously meaningful, self-identified Jews. Is that, yeah, is that yeah. what you mean? Or does well, everybody well, go to synagogue on Yom Kippur? It's like the one day when people, if you're Jewish, <laughs> okay. and even if you're secular, yeah, it's the right. one day we're going to do something. So like, <laughs> like the people who go to synagogue one day a year, that's the one day a year. And uh, it actually, Ezra is signaled right away as one of those guys. Like okay. he's, he's wearing high tops in there. His legs are shaking. He's totally uninterested in this. He is told, to, he, he is related to us as somebody who is a secular Jew in Los Angeles. Got it. Well, I was like both um, curious about how you responded to the engagement ring moment, because there's this joke in the film about the yes. size of Ezra's engagement ring that he's, he's oh, yeah. purchased for it's a mirror. It's puny. Yeah, it's tiny. And, and, and Mo yeah. first teases him about it, but then there's this like setup for how he's going to present it to Amira. And I was like, uh-oh, is that like a yeah. bridge too far? <laughs> Let's listen to that. So what's the story again? It's your grandmother's? Yeah, it's my grandmother's. It was her, she got in the Holocaust or whatever. But like, how old is she if it's from the Holocaust? It's been a minute. I mean, I think she got engaged when she was like three or four years old. <laughs> it's a different time. Yeah, yeah, you know, so so jokes about the Holocaust, you know, they, they could be a little dangerous, you know, but uh, <laughs> but even that joke is like, being tasteless or or controversial like that's where a lot of humor lies and even a lot of truth i was still with the movie at that point okay all right all i right. like that i like that yeah. i was there but from for me from there the movie sort of falls off the cliff like um why I, why what so because because well, i have uh, to admit uh, first time i saw the film i was a little bit less impressed second time i thought it grew on me um, oh, I, I had a different, like, I was like, okay with it. Cause I watched it yeah. with my family the first time they were willing to laugh at anything. And then the second <laughs> time I was like, oh man. I was so, also half asleep the first time too. <laughs> so I, I'll admit that. Okay. All right. So to me that the character's Jewishness, that, that how they are, be, how they are Jewish is sort of invisible. Mm. It's not really a part of the film. Um, and even from those first moments and from those first jokes, it starts to disappear. And even if they are secular Jews in Los Angeles, still sort of like what that means. And since you used another movie to, to make an explanation, since you used some, uh, guess who's coming to dinner, okay. I'm going to bring up another Jewish movie, a recent right. Jewish movie. Okay. So last year, this movie Armageddon time came out. And did you see that movie? By I the did way? not. Yeah. I didn't even know All it right. came out. It was too Jewish. Okay. It was like only shown screened in synagogues <laughs> and in Jewish community centers. No, no, no. It's a big, big release movie. So it's about, and, and you know, it's kind of relevant to us because it's about two middle school kids in the 1980s, one black, one white. Okay. And, and it, it, it definitely focuses on the Jewish family. All right. And so this, this Jewish middle school boy is trying to figure out the world and his friendship with this black kid. And he goes to his grandfather who's mm -hmm. played by Anthony Hopkins, which is kind of funny. Anthony Hopkins is not Jewish. He's That's playing right. this Jewish guy. But the thing about this movie is that the Jewishness is so omnipresent. So mm. the grandfather who's still, you know, the, all the grandparents, they still have their European accents because they've come there from the Holocaust. They're talking about the Holocaust. They're talking about being Jewish. And, and really what's presented to the characters is a kind of choice in the mm. face of, of racism in America. They have to make a choice between coming across as Jewish or white, and mm. the two are different. They could lean into, into the privilege that, you know, the, the whiteness gives them access to a kind of privilege and they can lean up to it, or they can sort of say, we're going to stand up against injustice and risk that. And so the here, injustice in this context has to do with whom? With racism, that the, the Jewish grandson anti -black is, racism. Is, is hearing anti-black racism. Got and it. so here's the grandfather, played by Anthony Hopkins, talking about his experiences from the Holocaust, and he's schooling his grandson on what to do. You remember one thing. Next time those schmucks say anything bad about those black kids or those Hispanics, you be a mensch to those kids, okay? They never had your advantage. Yo, man, what's deep about oh. this is at the but no, but but later in the movie, the father, his father, gives the exact opposite advice. He's like, "You got to save yourself. Mm. What, whatever leg up you can get, you know, we face so much anti-Semitism and oppression. We need to like, if you got an advantage, take it." Um, wow. But in you people, man, in you people, there is no choice. All right, yeah. the characters aren't wrestling with being white and Jewish. 
you know, Jewish white. Jewishness comes up in a couple of jokes, but it's mostly not there. And I'm like, I'll give one example, and you could probably think of others too when you start thinking of the movie this way. So, the the all of the female characters are incredibly underwritten in you people, but there's this scene where Shelley and Amira. You know, so they're going to go off in the same way that the men have gone off. And they don't, there's nothing Jewish about what they do. They go to a spa. There's no like explanation of like, there's nothing that, that Amira has to do to try to understand who they are. It's just like, eh. And, and the same thing, like, like Akbar doesn't take Ezra to a mosque or anything religious. You know, there's just like some, at some point, there's just like some, you know, silly joke, you know, Ezra has to date other women, Jewish women. And there's like, you know, you, what do you know about black culture? Maybe you know about bagel culture. That's yeah. like the extent of like the Jewishness. So what you're saying is that religion here is treated almost like a caricature. Yeah. And a, and a wink at different moments. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I thought it was interesting that part of the way to show Akbar's bigotry, his own anti-whiteness, so to speak, is that mm. he is a big fan of Farrakhan and goes through this long, elaborate story of how he received a kufi from Farrakhan as kind of a special ceremonial rites of passage for him. And so yeah. Farrakhan stands in as this kind of uh, both acknowledgement of his Muslim identity, which is very controversial in terms of most Muslims who are Sunni Muslims, even as Black people, and also as this political controversy that that makes him even more unlikable in some ways as a character, as, as really a setup for the moral arc of the film. Yeah. And so Louis Farrakhan also has this history of anti-Semitism. He's made comments before. And so Ezra has zero stake in this. Like he doesn't, they're like, what do you think about Louis Farrakhan? He's like, I love him. He's great. He's got nothing. <laughs> right. um, the parents are a little more uncomfortable, but this seemed like an opportunity to explore things. You put these two parents together, the Muslim parents and and the Jewish parents, something could have happened. And yeah. and actually, let's stay with that scene a little bit more because it's it takes place, there, there's a dinner at the children's house, and mm -hmm. they invite both sets of parents to bring them together. Right, and, and, and this, a, this is the guess who's coming to dinner moment for this film. This is the filmic homage to that earlier film when everyone is in the room and we are set up for fireworks. And so the parents start talking and their differences around race and religion start to emerge. Mm -hmm. And they're all sort of like, you know, hot button issues that come up. Listen to this moment. I, all I'm saying is that our people came here with nothing like everybody else. Actually, you kind of sort of came here with the money that you made from the slave trade mm. like everyone Whoa, else. Preach. Oh. Preach, mother. Preach, mother. Come on. It's very true. I, I would like to see your sources on that. Baby, go get my purse. I've got my slave receipts in my purse. Go get my purse. Yeah, how about we, we take it off this the conversation. table? I don't turn on the news every day and see people in yarmulkes getting shot by police just because they was out minding their business. Okay. First of all, mm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to just talk about this and get in trouble. <laughs> Yo, so, so this like... There are different pieces to this, and there's like the last thing that, that Eddie Murphy's Akbar says is really interesting, mm -hmm. right? Like, like Jewish people who present as white are not being killed by police officers, right? That's like a conversation about privilege, about whiteness, what is anti Semitism, what's anti blackness. Like, it's all kind of there, but man, it's caked up in this other stuff. Yeah. You know, like that, that thing that the mother says, Neil Long's character, Fatima. Uh, Akbar's wife, she's saying the exact sort of racist, anti-Semitic trope that is what got Kyrie Irving in trouble. So, like, what to make of it? That scene, like, it's just like throwing out a, a, a laundry list of stuff, and it's not owning any of the any of the material. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, and and it did feel like. Um, again, it positioned in this case, and this might explain why so many of your Jewish friends and so many within the larger Jewish community in the United States uh, felt like the film wasn't a good film because it was an unnecessary provocation. It's also not generally within the main of the black community a talking point, um, even among black people who identify as Muslims, whether they're Nation right. of Islam Muslims or Sunni Muslims. Uh, so. In that way, the film traffics in a stereotype that has this kind of both sides-ism to it, meaning it's, you know, like the white privilege has to be set against this black That's exactly nationalism right. um, that is extreme and anti-Semitic. 
Um, and that's not really how most people are engaging into what is already a difficult relationship. And, and, and you know, so what was what was so problematic or troubling about those moments when, you know, Kyrie Irving endorsed that film or when Kanye West spoke out against Jewish people is that, you know, you said that most most black people aren't trafficking in this kind of like anti-Semitic language. But a lot of people don't know what what's what's in the mainstream, and you know, to suddenly hear it in 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 famous black people talking about it, and and hearing it even coming from the right, and then to be in kind of a mainstream Netflix movie like this, it does have this kind of you know danger of even feeling like oh no, this must be okay. And as you said, it's like set up as, against something like um, like pr- police brutality. They're like equivalents. Right. Right. Well. I think you've convinced me uh, now that we've had a full workup of the failures of this film to deal with interreligious components of this relationship that actually the film isn't as good. My first impression is probably the more accurate one. (laughs) That all being said, I have a final idea. There's a lot of meat on the bones left, you know, what this movie attempts to do. And, uh, and, And so many of our listeners know that you are a talented writer. And I'm just thinking, I don't know, I mean, call me a dreamer, but I'm just wondering, you know, like after Uh seeing this film, did it ever occur to you to think about writing the story, your love story of you and Danielle as high school sweethearts? And you have this fabulously handsome best friend, you know, who is there along the way to coax you and to to give you an extra dose of black culture and legitimacy yeah. so that you can woo this beautiful black woman, you know, who will one day go on to be your bride and you all will have two this. amazing interracial children. I mean, come on, this is an amazing story. I, I hope that they're like, you know, Hollywood people are listening to this, you know, at least the <laughs> Netflix people, you know, and one of the first scenes is you might remember this, uh, that when uh, when we're going off to college and we're having our final dinner together, Danielle you mean in and our me. story and in, in, in our Ben, Danielle, and Khalil story? Yeah, in real yeah. life. Do you remember where we went? Um, did we go to Red Lobster? So Danielle and I are going to Red Lobster because that was like <laughs> fancy for us. And and you just no cell phones or whatever. You just happened to show up like the quirky best friend. Like you no, just I didn't happened happen to, be to show up. I drove like forty five <laughs> no, minutes. But, but meaning like <laughs> I didn't tell there. you to come or anything. But you know, so um, I act. I actually have a happy ending, in a way. I have uh, one too. You go through all of this. That that just coincidentally, Kanye tweeted this weekend that he now loves Jewish people again. Oh my goodness. And the reason is Jonah Hill. <laughs> wow. He, he, what, he did some Jewish therapy, like- uh, No, no, but what's funny, it was seeing Jonah Hill in a movie, but it wasn't this movie. It wasn't, it wasn't you people. It was 21 Jump Street. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that actually that's suggests, true that's that, true I don't, I don't know if that means what good things no, or bad doesn't. things on the, uh, on the horizon yeah. for Kanye yeah I, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't put a lot of my uh, Sadaka in, in his uh, in, in him well my happy ending is this you guys got married uh, uh, how many years ago now 20 almost 20 almost 20 years ago and just so our listeners know that that crash date at Red Lobster led to me being the only person who was invited to their wedding in New York City at mm. City Hall on a random, I believe, November yep. uh, day, beautiful, November chilly day. I was the best man. I was the uh, matron of honor because I was married at that time. I was the photographer, the witness. Yeah. I was your only reception date. Um, when, when you when you showed up, we were, I said meet us at the foot of Brooklyn Bridge because we were going to get you know we were going to get married at City Hall. But I didn't tell you. I tell you, I said that I want you to take some holiday photographs. That's right. And th- and then you showed up with the, all your cameras because you know you're the son <laughs> of a Pulitzer Prize winning photographer. You had like twelve cameras, and you looked at us and you were like, they're a little bit more dressed up, and Ben is carrying a bouquet and like all this other stuff, and your hands started to shake, and you just started to cry. Yeah, that was a special moment. So. It was a great moment. Yeah. Well, man, this was uh, this was a really great conversation. We we touched on some important themes, not only in cinematic history, but also in how much more uh, work needs to be done in trying to capture what it means to 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 do interracial love in a rom com or a drama or anything else on the big screen. All right. All right. Love you, man. Love you too.
Some of My Best Friends Are is a production of Pushkin Industries. The show is written and hosted by me, Khalil Gibran Muhammad, and my best friend, Ben Austin. This show is produced by Lucy Sullivan. It's edited by Sarah Nix with help from Keishel Williams. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wong, and our managing producer is Constanza Gallardo. At Pushkin, thanks to Letal Molad, Julia Barton, Heather Fain, Carly Migliori, John Schnars, Greta Cohn, and Jacob Weisberg. Our theme song, Little Lily, is by fellow Chicagoan, the brilliant Avery R. Young, from his album Tubman. You definitely want to check out his music at his website, averyryoung.com. You can find Pushkin on all social platforms at Pushkin Pods, and you can sign up for our newsletter at pushkin.fm. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. And if you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and a review. And listen, even if you don't like it, give it a five-star rating and a review. And please tell all of your best friends about it. Thank you. Yeah, and you people, there's definitely no Passover Seder, but here's a little taste of, of my family Seder this year. Our story begins with degradation. Our telling ends with glory. We were, we were slaves in Pharaoh in Egypt, and, Egypt, and our God led us from where we were. And we ended with an our shot. And now we will let our ancestors out of Egypt. We and our children and our children's children. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter.